This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hi family. Today we are discussing part four in our series, God is Merciful. And this is definitely going to be the final part in the series. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Christ has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. God is telling us here that before anything was created, before anything existed, God called your name. He knew you. And He destined a plan for your life. A purpose. Then He gave you the grace, the mercy, God's unmerited favor and ability to fulfill that task right there and then before anything was created. You're never alone. God's ability was assigned to you from before time began to do what God has destined for your life. We must tap into this mercy of God Otherwise, we can never accomplish anything God has assigned for us. All right. We'll see this scripture that I've just quoted fulfilled in the life of Jacob, a very powerful story we're about to hear. Genesis 25, 23. And the Lord told Rebekah, the sons in your womb will become two nations, from the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Esau was only concerned with his personal needs. They were more important to him than the rights as the firstborn son. His personal needs were more important to him than his responsibility as the heir of the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant. Now some Christians are that way. They run after this world and all it has to offer. 
They abandon their responsibilities as the heir to the covenant they have with God. They walk away from the one who is wanting to guide them into the true abundant blessing for now and for eternity. Genesis 27 verse 1. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his oldest son. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. And she said to her son Jacob, Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. Bless you, Jacob, with Esau's first rites blessing. So Jacob went before his father dressed in his brother's clothes and received the oldest son's birthright blessing. When Esau returned with a meal for his father and heard what had happened, he cried bitterly, determined to kill his brother Jacob. He was so disappointed and crushed, he determined to kill his own brother once his father had died. But Rebekah found out, and she said to Jacob in verse 43, So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Although Jacob got the blessing he wanted by deceiving his father, it cost him dearly. Here are some of the consequences of that deceitful action of going before his father and deceiving him. Number one, he never saw his mother again. Number two, his brother Esau wanted to kill him. Number three, he was deceived by his uncle Laban. He thought that he was getting Rachel as a wife, but Laban gave him Leah instead. Number four, his family became torn apart by strife. Number five, Esau became the founder of an enemy nation that harassed Israel for many generations. Number six, Jacob was exiled from his family for about 20 years. And number seven, ironically, Jacob would have received the birthright and the blessing Anyway, because God said that to Rebekah before Jacob was born. We read it right up in the beginning of this message. All right, let's read from Genesis 28 and verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Bathsheba and traveled toward Haran. He's going to Uncle Laban on his way. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. 
Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth all the way up to heaven. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the, of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east and to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Now watch that. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you, not in spite of you, and I won't bless them and you. No, you're going to carry this blessing, Jacob. You will carry the blessing to the whole world. You may not fail. If you fail, they're going to not receive it. Here we go. All right. Verse 15. What's more? I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you. Now watch this. This is amazing. I'll not leave you, Jacob, until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Now, family, that's how it is for us too. God will not forsake us until we have inherited all that Christ purchased for us if we desire to walk in it. Now, this is an awesome statement. I'll not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I've promised you. God's going to do exactly the same thing for you and for me. Now, 20 years go by, and Genesis 31, verse 3, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your father and your grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. Now, as Jacob approached the land of his birth, he became terrified of facing his brother Esau, who swore to kill him. In Genesis 32, verse 9, Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me, your servant. Now look at that statement. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me, your servant. Family, none of us are worthy. None of us. But God blessed him anyway. Right? Made him rich. None of us can ever be good enough to earn God's unfailing love and faithfulness. None of us. Now Jacob is depending on God's grace and not his own effort for the first time. God has continued to work with Jacob until God can work through Jacob. 
Now God can bless the whole world through Jacob. Genesis 32 verse 10. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. When he left to go to Haran, or the Chaldeans, Mesopotamia, the only thing he took with him was a walking stick. That's all he had. Now he's coming back. He's a very, very rich man. He's got camels and donkeys and whatever have you, and cattle and all sorts of things. Now he realizes it is all God's blessing in his life. Verse 10. Oh Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he's coming to attack me along with my wives and my children. He had very good reason to be afraid because when you read the story, Esau was coming to meet him with an army. The Bible says an army came with him. Now Jacob is totally dependent on the Heavenly Father. He can't scheme his way out of this. He's in the balance. His wife, his children, his servants, everything, everybody could die. Now when we settle this fact in our heart that there is no one else we can turn to except a merciful God, when we settle this fact in our heart that there is no one else we can turn to except a merciful God, then His mercy will run over us like a flood. After sending his family away to safety, presumably, he was left alone. 24. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. This man is the pre-incarnate Christ. Long time before Christ came to the earth. We can prove that from the book of Hosea. Let's read Hosea 12, verse 4. Yes, Jacob wrestled with the angel and won. He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. There at Bethel, he met God face to face, and God spoke to Jacob. God allowed himself to be overcome by Jacob. Genesis 12, Genesis 32, verse 6. Genesis 32, verse 6. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. And he replied, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. So God changed his name from Jacob, which means 
heel catcher, supplanter, or deceiver to Israel, which means may God prevail for him or prince with God. That's what his name means now. Now, how did Jacob's life end? Very interesting. This is a powerful, very moving account of the end of Jacob's life. From Genesis 49, verse 1. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together, that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Come, all my sons, I want to prophesy to you what's going to happen to each of you during your lifetime. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Wow. Genesis 50, verse 1. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. I, I can't help just getting goosebumps when I read that every time I do. That he prophesied over each one of his sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 sons. He lay down on the bed, put his feet up, and went home. Wow. In the beginning of Jacob's life, he did not depend on God to bring to pass the destiny and the plan God have had for his life. No. Instead, he depended on his own scheming to get him through life. As a result, he suffered many hardships, as he mentioned some of them. But listen to what he says to his uncle Laban as he's leaving Haran, coming back to Canaan. Because uncle Laban was determined to kill him for taking his daughters and his animals, which Jacob owned. And... Uh, then God appeared to Jacob, uh, to Uncle Laban, and said to him, Listen, you don't touch Jacob. You don't touch him. So uh, then he came to Jacob and was much more placid and calm. But this is what Jacob said to Uncle Laban here in Genesis 31, verse 40. I worked for you through the scorching heat of the day, and through cold and sleepless nights. Yes, for 20 years I slaved in your house. I worked for 14 years earning your two daughters, and then six more years for your flock, and you changed my wages 10 times. <laughs> you reduced my salary 10 times in 20 years. Now imagine that. <laughs> Working for a boss that did that to you. All right. So in spite of all Jacob's independence, God determined to work with Jacob until finally God could work through Jacob. Jeremiah sums up the life of Jacob 
and all those who depend on the arm of the flesh instead of depending on a merciful God. All right, so Jeremiah will help us understand what Jacob was doing depending on the arm of the flesh instead of depending on a merciful God. And unfortunately, we all have that problem, wanting to depend on the arm of the flesh and ignoring God's help as a merciful God. We've just got to try it on our own. We get up in the morning and just charge on. Instead of saying, Father, this is the day you made. I depend on you. You're going to do this through me today. You're going to make this work, whatever you have to do. To tell God you're depending on God to work through you that day. Now then, because he's merciful, he'll do it. You can say that. All right, so let's see what Jeremiah has to say about that. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. So here God is saying, the person who is depending on his own ability, ignoring God's help, has departed from the Lord. Verse 6, For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes. All right, so God says, be like somebody living in the desert, depending on his own strength. And they'll recognize the blessing of God that comes his way. It'll go right past him. All right, let's read that again. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. So somebody depends on his own strength to go live out in the desert. Not succeed. Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of the drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So God said the one who puts his faith in the merciful God will be like a tree planted by the river. No matter what drought comes, he's always going to have his supply of water and he'll always have his fruit. Those who live depending on God's goodness and mercy will not be carrying any burdens. They'll not be concerned because they know God has got this. Those who are carrying burdens are the ones who are not praising God for His goodness and mercy. They're not praising God for His goodness and mercy. They're carrying burdens instead. Say this. Let's say this with me, please, folks. For God is good and His mercy endures forever. Now, I know God is solving my problems. I know I can't be good enough to deserve this, but it is all mine just because He is merciful. Let's say that together. This is so powerful. I know God is solving my problems. I know I can't be good enough to deserve this, 
but it is all mine just because God is merciful. Say this, the lesson I'll learn from Jacob is, the sooner I'll learn to rest in God's mercy and stop struggling in my own strength, the sooner God can guide me into all the blessings He longs for me to enjoy and pass them on to other people as well. Now, I have made some confessions for us so that you can tap into the mercy of God. And these are laminated, these confessions, in a card, a plastic card. And you can get these from the church office. Uh, the pastors at the church will make them available to you free of charge. All right? Here we go. Say this with me. These are the confessions you're going to be able to say on your own card, which I'm giving you, in order to tap into the mercy of God. Here we go. God has a plan for my life. Say that. According to Jeremiah 29, 11. Good. God is always leading me on a road of triumph and victory. According to 2 Corinthians 2, 14. I understand what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. According to Romans 8, 27. I understand what will happen in the future. Because the Holy Spirit tells me things to come. According to John 16, 13. The Lord will work out His plan for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever, according to Psalm 138, verse 8. Say this, He is doing this for me, even though I can never deserve it, just because He is merciful. Let's continue. Money continually flows into my hands. All my financial needs are always met. According to Philippians 4.19 Jesus healed me at Calvary. The Father God sees me completely well because that is what Jesus bought for me. Therefore I see myself well. I am the healed, resisting sickness in Jesus' name. Again, I am the healed, resisting sickness in Jesus' name. According to Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. According to Matthew 8, verse 16, 17. According to 1 Peter 2, 24. According to Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. Now I say this, the angels of the Lord protect me and my family in all of our ways. 
according to Psalm 91 11 and Psalm 34 7. Now let's wrap it up by saying this God is doing this for me, even though I can never deserve it, just because He is faithful. Praise God, family. That's the end of our series. God is merciful. I trust that you will go back and listen to the others again. Allow this to sink into your heart, renew your mind, so that you can walk in the blessing of God and you can live in a realm of rest and peace and joy. And now won't you please close your eyes and bow your heads. How many of you would say, I want to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. Let's say this together. Follow me in this little prayer. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross and take my punishment for me. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me for all of my sins. Come into my heart and save my life. From this day, I will serve you as the Lord of my life until I see you face to face. Thank you for saving me and cleansing me from all of my sin. I'm now God's child and I'm bound for heaven. Praise God. If you said that prayer, God bless you. We'll see you in heaven. Pastor Bevan, I love you, and we'll continue to pray for you every day. And we look forward to seeing you soon. We trust in God to open up flights and for everything to return to normal. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 